KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, September 25th. Today marks 45 years since a PSA jetliner crashed in San Diego and there still isn't a proper memorial for the victims. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. SANDAG will not consider charging drivers by the mile to fund public transit. Board members on Friday voted to keep that policy out of future transportation plans. But they still face the daunting task of raising billions in new funding to improve public transit and reduce driving. If SANDAG board members can't agree on a transportation plan that meets state climate targets, they could lose access to billions of dollars in transportation funding. The Government Accountability Office found unsafe conditions in military barracks across the country and concluded the Pentagon isn't doing enough about it. Problems include broken fire systems, mold, and pests. Inspectors toured facilities at 10 bases, including four in San Diego. Camp Pendleton, the Marine Corps Recruit Depot, and Naval Bases San Diego and Coronado. But the report does not say which installations had problems, only that seven of the ten visited had barracks needing improvements. KPBS military reporter Andrew Dyer asked the Navy about the report's findings. Navy Region Southwest says San Diego sailors rate local barracks highly and that sailors aren't assigned to rooms that aren't up to standards. The GAO report includes photos from a privately run San Diego barracks and says sailors told them they're satisfied with their living conditions. Local Marines did not respond to questions about the report. School is back in session for students at UCSD. Their fall quarter begins today. According to reporting by the San Diego Union-Tribune, the university is expecting more than 42,000 students this fall. That is the largest number of students in the school's history. Coming up, we hear the personal stories from the day a PSA jetliner crashed in San Diego and the demands to finally place a memorial. None of us have a place to grieve. There's no cemetery, there's no headstone that I can say, this is where I can pay my respects. More on that story just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. On September 25, 1978, tragedy hit San Diego. A Pacific Southwest Airlines 727, just moments away from landing at Lindbergh Field, collided with a smaller plane and crashed to the ground in North Park. 144 people in the planes and on the ground were killed. Reporter John Carroll has been looking into why, 45 years later, there is still no proper memorial to the victims. The image of a PSA 727 in flames barreling toward the ground is forever seared into the memories of many San Diegans. It's one of two pictures of the plane on fire taken by professional photographer Hans Wendt, who happened to have his camera around his neck as he was pumping gas a few blocks away. He's a 182 Lindbergh tire, traffic 12 o'clock, one mile assessment. 
A couple of minutes after that communication between PSA Flight 182 and the tower, the 727 and the Cessna collided. Seconds later, a plume of black smoke was billowing into the sky over North Park. The PSA jet smashed into the ground just north of the intersection of Dwight and Nile, killing all 135 people aboard. Seven people on the ground were killed, including two children. Both the pilot and passenger of the Cessna lost their lives. That plane crashed several blocks away. We met Myra Sulit-Pulowski at Dwight and Nile. Her brother Michael had boarded PSA Flight 182 in Sacramento earlier that morning. Memories of the day are still vivid. I was waiting for him at the airport to make sure that he could get on the plane. And he came back out and said, I got the last seat on the plane. So that was the last time I saw him at 7 a.m. I was on a break between classes at St. Augustine High School, four blocks down the road. That's North Park resident Michael Bagnus. He'd just started his sophomore year at St. Augustine's. 45 years later, and it's still difficult to get the words out about what he saw when he looked up. And I saw the fireball, and you could see the glow of the fire into the windows. You could feel the people screaming. Seconds later, Bagnus says he felt a boom, a wave emanating out from the point of impact. Then, fear of another horror overtook him. His family home was at 33rd and Dwight, about a block from the crash site. At first, Bagnus says he didn't want to go home, afraid of what he would find. He first went to a friend's house, and there he saw something that wiped away his worst fears. And she had Channel 10 on, and Jack White was reporting from the neighbor's house across the street. And that's when I knew, oh, thank God. Magnus knew if that neighbor's house was standing, then his was too. Meantime, Myra Pulowski made her way down to San Diego. The coroner was never able to identify her brother's remains, but she has something else. She keeps it in a case with her brother's high school graduation picture. It's his wallet, found at the crash site, not damaged at all. It was intact with his driver's license and his pictures and even a dollar, you know, in his wallet. Ten years ago, Myra, Michael, and several others formed a committee to finally place a proper memorial to those who lost their lives. Not that there aren't any memorials now. One is a little plaque outside the North Park Library branch. It's under a tree dedicated to the lives of those lost, but not one name of the 144 killed is on the plaque. Another, larger memorial is found in the Air and Space Museum, part of an exhibit about the history of PSA. But there's nothing anywhere close to the crash site. Now, Myra Pulowski, Michael Bagnus, and everyone else who's worked for a proper memorial for years say they're tired of waiting. Why isn't there one here? Why can't the politicians do that? Do I have to do it? They should do it. None of us have a place to grieve. There's no cemetery, there's no headstone that I can say, this is where I can pay my respects. We took our questions about the lack of a memorial all these years later to someone who may be able to do something about it. Tomorrow, you'll hear some answers from San Diego City Council Member Stephen Whitburn. John Carroll, KPBS News. A single student's protest has prompted an international wave of support in the fight against a controversial ban on flags 
in Temecula schools. Education reporter M.G. Perez has the story. 16-year-old Moxie Childs is defying the Temecula Valley Unified School Board by passing out mini pride flags at Great Oak High School, where he is a junior. Childs is also transgender and opposes the school board's recent ban on the display of any flags on campus other than the American and California flags. Holding flags is different from displaying them because displaying implies they stay in one place and all the flags are being carried around by different people, so they cannot hand out discipline for the carrying around of these flags. He used his own money to initially pass out 200 rainbow flags. That effort went viral on social media, prompting a flood of donations of flags and money from supporters around the world. At the moment, Child says he has more than 3,000 donated flags to continue his protest. He plans to share them with other Temecula Valley schools. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. If you've been charged for the updated COVID-19 vaccine, you're not alone. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services says it's hearing about insurers not covering the new vaccine. They say insurance plans are required to cover COVID-19 vaccines authorized under the Federal Emergency Use Authorization. UCSD social epidemiologist Rebecca Fielding Miller says lowering the barriers to getting a vaccine is critical to public health. If you're worried that it's going to cost money and you don't know how to negotiate with your healthcare provider to get that money repaid, that's a barrier. So the more that we can remove barriers and make it easier for people to keep themselves healthy, the better it's going to be for everybody. If you've been charged for the vaccine, reach out to your health insurance provider to be reimbursed. Coming up. I speak with one of the La Mesa Oktoberfest coordinators about this weekend's event. It's over five blocks. There's four different beer gardens. And we've really made an effort the last few years to really increase the family-friendly activities. We'll have all the details you need to know for the fest and more after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A biology lab at SDSU is using a NASA grant to create guacamole for astronauts. But it's not just avocados. SciTech reporter Thomas Fudge has the story. The lab features vials of green liquid that contain microalgae. That's the not-so-secret ingredient meant to bolster the guacamole with antioxidants, which protects space travelers from the high levels of radiation. 
The project is aimed at diversifying the diet of astronauts, and scientists chose guacamole to try to lift their spirits. They say space guac is a fun food that makes you think of parties. PhD student Gabby Canto is part of the team. This idea of, of mixing guacamole with ma microalgae was so interesting for me because I'm Mexican and guacamole is part of our diet, you know. The guacamole is still being formulated, so we're not sure how it tastes. It will be a powder that must be hydrated before it's eaten. Biologists won't say whether astronauts will also get tortilla chips. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. The city of La Mesa is kicking off the fall season with its annual Oktoberfest. But this year is extra special because it's celebrating its 50th anniversary. The three-day fest starts this Friday, September 29th through Sunday, October 1st. Here to talk about it is La Mesa event coordinator, Laurel McFarlane. Laurel, welcome to the San Diego News Now podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. Can you describe La Mesa's Oktoberfest event and its significance to the community? Yes, um, it's been going on for 50 years, and it's uh, a collaboration between the city of La Mesa, the La Mesa Village Association, and we assist as well. And it's over five blocks. There's four different beer gardens. And we've really made an effort the last few years to really increase the family-friendly activities and free activities for kids. We also have this really fun dash hound area where we do dash hound races. And we also have races for the dogs that want to be a dash hound. So, and all the beer gardens are open to all ages. So you can hang out with your family, have a great beer, also listen to amazing music, play games. So there's something for everyone. Can you tell me how things have changed or evolved over the last 50 years? Yeah, so it just started out as kind of like a kind of a small beer garden in a parking lot and a few vendors. And through the years, it's grown now to where it has four beer gardens. One is actually a traditional sit-down beer hall like you'd see in Munich where the waitresses come out and they serve you and they bring your food and your beer. We have a craft beer garden. We also have kind of an international food beer garden. And then we have this super fun giant hopper beer garden where there's music, all kinds of it, and Oompa bands. And we have this huge kids area. We're bringing in a hundred foot slide this year for the kids. Um, we also have strongman games, so gluck games. So you get to compete with other people on strongman games. So, and on top of that, there's 150 booths with all kinds of unique crafts, food. So there's really just a fun event for everyone to come and it's free. So it's really grown into have all these different kind of unique activities within the big event. And speaking about activities, any special activities this year to celebrate the milestone? Yeah, so we have added merchandise this year, 50th anniversary merchandise. So we have that. Um, we've added more games with um, where you win custom medals. You know, we have Stein holding, we have musical chairs, we have chicken hop dance, we have yodeling and all these fun games in between the bands where you get to win a commemorative medal. So we've just tried to interact a lot more activities this year. We also have added a dance square so kids can come and dance and hang out and learn different things like hula hooping, 
the fun chicken dance. And then we've also added the dash hound races because we had a lot of um, dogs who weren't dash hounds wanting to participate in the races in the past. So we added in a couple races for those who want to be a dash hound. And is the event pet friendly? Oh, yeah. So we're super pet friendly. We have a whole dash hound village dedicated to all pets. Um, The pets are allowed all over the events into all spaces. So we just ask that you have them on a leash and that, you know, you be mindful of other pets and people. But we love having the furry friends down at Oktoberfest. They're just as welcome. That's awesome. This year's event is the third year back since going virtual during the pandemic. Do you feel the turnout is back to pre-pandemic levels? Yeah, I feel like it's back to pre-pandemic levels and kind of even more because people are excited to get out and experience things as well. So last year it felt like it was back to normal, you know, and this year with the 50th anniversary, we're really expecting you know, a lot of great crowds and a lot of people when they're there, they're, you know, now they're like, oh, I went to this when I was a child and now I'm bringing my family. So we're hoping people will come back, especially who were there when a child and come back to the 50th and celebrate from when they were here with their families as well. Great tradition. With the start of fall, we begin to see an increase in flu and COVID cases. Any uh, precautionary measures in place at this year's event? Yes, we've been doing this since the pandemic. We have a lot of hand sanitizers that are just spread throughout the event. So we encourage people to, you know, wash their hands. If we also have signs that if you're sick and you're not feeling well, to please stay home. And we also have additional restrooms. So, you know, some and we have a clean team that's we've been um, implementing ever since that wipes down surfaces that goes through the event that makes sure things are wiped down and safe for people. So we've been doing that ever since because it's just, you know, it's good measures for events. So we've been continuing that practice. You did mention it. It's a free event. Um, Any tickets that we need to buy for anything? Any VIP tickets that are available? Yeah, so we have a fun VIP program for the beer garden. So it's like a fast pass. It starts everywhere from $10 and that just gets you a fast pass into all the beer gardens. Or you can go up to uh, $45 and that includes either an alpine hat, a flower crown, a chicken hat, a 24-ounce commemorative stein, and two beers as well. So we have a bunch of variety of different packages. We also have fun packages for kids where it includes like $15. It includes a chicken hat, a couple root beers or waters, and a fast pass. So there's some VIP upgrades if you like as well. All right. Very good. Anything we haven't covered that you'd like to add, Laura? No, just make sure to come dress up. We love it when people dress up and enjoy themselves. You can also, if you don't want to do the 50th anniversary Stein and you have a Stein at home that you got from Germany or your family, bring it down. We'll fill it up too, but we're just excited to see everyone there. I've been speaking with La Mesa event coordinator, Laurel McFarlane. Laurel, thank you for joining me on the San Diego News Now podcast. I wish you a big success with the festival. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And thank you for your time. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Some of my colleagues will be filling in for me on the podcast the next couple of weeks while I take a vacation with family. As always, thanks for listening and have a great Monday.